Before we get into the show today, I have to offer up a special warning. This is an explicit episode. I would rate it NC-17, so make sure the kiddos are not around or you're in a place where you can listen to this privately because the guest we have on today is none other than Mr. John McAfee. And he is not one to mince words when it comes to how he feels, how he expresses himself. So there's a lot of strong language on this one and a lot of interesting ideas. But it was an absolute honor to have him on simply because he is a -a one-of-a-kind individual. He is the person who started the antivirus software industry. So with that, let's get into the show. Oh, hello. Fancy seeing you here on a Monday morning, but glad you could join us. Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Each week, we will be interviewing local, regional, and national business leaders to give you an inside peek into how they lead their businesses to success in an ever-competitive business climate. So pour yourself a hot cup and enjoy the show. Welcome to a very special episode of Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. I have an amazing guest today, Mr. John McAfee. He's a software programmer, software designer, operating systems architect, software consultant, serial entrepreneur, former presidential candidate, cryptocurrency evangelist, and one of the freest men on the planet Earth. John, it is an honor to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you for that glowing, but... A horrendously inaccurate introduction. <laughs> yeah, I feel- wish, I wish, I wish all of that were true. But yeah, thank you. Well, true. Yeah, probably the freest man on the planet. You would, you would disagree on, but yeah. <laughs> well, if you could, if you could start us off by maybe telling us a little bit more about the early John McAfee. What drew you to math, software development, and then ultimate, ultimately the start, McAfee Associates. Laziness uh, drew me to math. I mean, every mind is different. I have one of those minds that math just came so easy to me. Memorizing shit like uh, history and Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Latin. I don't know if they even teach Latin anymore. Probably not. Uh, Worthless language. Uh, I I did terrible. (laughs) But math, I got straight A's. I never had to study. All I had to do was take the textbook, take it home, Spend a few hours reading it because there's not much, not much words in math books. Close it. I'm done. In college, I never had to show up for class. I just showed up for the first day, got the text, made sure I knew what I had to be turning in at which time and what exams were coming up. And that's all I showed up for. That's all I showed up for. And, and I got straight A's. So laziness got me into math. I, I regret <laughs> that is an interesting take to people, but that was the truth. What got me into computing was luck. Um, I was still studying math. Why? Because it still came easy to me. I'd gone to graduate school uh, at Louisiana State, then moved to Virginia Polytechnic Institute. I just decided to take it somewhere off, got a job, a part-time job at General Electric. And they moved me instantly because of my math skills into uh, their process automation uh, computing division. Goddamn. Uh, figuring that once I got a taste of that, I wasn't going to go back to school. And I did not go back to school. 
computing, which is just math, applied practically. And in fact, it's the simplest of all fucking math. It's a binary system. We deal with the decimal system. Good God almighty. All the possibilities of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine uh, in all these combinations. Horrific. No. Binary. Zero and one. That's all there is, dude. And so the operations upon them are trivial. They've got belaying operators and or exclusive or <laughs> magic, by the way. Um, and then simple things like add, subtract, multiply, divide. That's it, people. Well, some other shifts. Shift left, right, shift <laughs> x, x bits, shift right, x bits. <laughs> Who gives a shit? Generally, it's trivial math. So good God, I fell into heaven's lap. Uh, and went on from there as the star programmer of the early 1970s. This is the truth, people. Um, and uh, ended up with some fascinating jobs. I worked for NASA's Institute for Space Studies uh, in New York City. Now, that was a blast. Uh, stoned and drugged out of my mind most of the time. But I still, in spite of all of those brain cell losses, managed to glean a fair amount of, of knowledge. I worked for Lockheed uh, on black programs. These are programs that don't even fucking exist. Um, and only the top at the top at the top get into them. Now, now here's a story for you. Okay, so uh, I'm at Lockheed, which is now Lockheed Martin. Um, and uh, I'm approached by some high-level official from God knows what agency. And the badge that was flashed was three milliseconds and closed and back in the pocket, but whatever, uh, that they have been considering me for a black program. Uh, in order to, uh, to do that, uh, I have to pass the, um, the test for top secret security clearance. So <laughs> I went in my boss's office and I said, listen, this is not going to happen. Uh, listen, you know who I am. I mean, they're never going to give me a top secret clearance. So he goes, well, just roll with it. Two weeks later, I took the test. A whole fucking day in which they asked me things like, did you ever fuck a sheep? Uh, did you ever cheat on your wife? Yes. Uh, how many times? As often as I could. Why? Because I knew these motherfuckers, you don't lie to them. <laughs> They're going to know. Mm -hmm. So they already do before I even fucking came in. I don't know why they bothered. Uh, did you ever take drugs? Yes. What kinds? <laughs> Let's talk about what kinds I didn't take because that's a much smaller set. Did you ever sell drugs? Yes. What? Everything. Why? To make money. So after that day, I went back and I told him, I said, it ain't happening. So don't worry about it. I'll be working for you. A week later, my security clearance came through in record fucking time. Now, I ask you, what sort of idiot gives me a top secret security clearance, even though in those intervening 30 some years, I have never once divulged anything about what, what I did. So I've kept to the letter of the law. Um, and I'm, you know, as I got older, I started thinking, well, maybe there is some wisdom. I mean, ain't nobody ever going to blackmail me <laughs> over what, what, what I have, what have I not willingly and openly divulged. So in any case, um, I'm sorry I got off on a track, but that was uh, Lockheed. Well, yeah, uh, but McAfee, go no, ahead. go ahead. Yeah, McAfee. Lead, lead into McAfee. No, no, no. 
McAfee. We're right at McAfee now because McAfee was right after Lockheed. So yeah. that's why I, that's why I picked Lockheed. So now I'm working at Lockheed, and it's a Sunday morning, and my brother-in-law, a worthless motherfucker who is my wife's brother, doesn't like work, and I've been supporting him for two years, living with us. Uh, it's hard enough living with a wife, living with a wife and her brother. But in any case, he's reading the paper out loud. Hey, listen to this. John, computer virus. Uh, to go, computer virus? Give me the fucking paper. So I'm reading this article about this thing called the Pakistani brain. Mm-hmm. And it named itself the Pakistani brain virus. Now, according to the, to the descriptions, it propagated itself, tried to keep itself alive. And when it found out that it could do no further uh, propagation, it destroyed the host by wiping out the, the disk <laughs> or disk on the computer. This is 1987. So I'm reading this. I'm going, fuck me. Because no one has ever considered a program that could be what we called alive. Viruses mm-hmm. are alive. But what is living things? It's basically defined by um, an urge to propagate and an urge to survive. Well, fuck me. <laughs> That's sure as hell what computer viruses are. So in any case, I started thinking about it. And later on, I got a copy. But even before I got the copy, I go, ah, I see how they did it. Mm. And in instant, I go, well, listen, this will stop it. So I just wrote a little program, put it up on my own bulletin board system called Homebase, uh, the largest bulletin board system in Silicon Valley at that time. Had 32 phone lines, okay? And we didn't have internet back then, people. So this is how we communicated. And so the way it works is people, my users, the thousands of users I had, would download programs, look at them, and if they're good, upload them onto other boards where they're downloaded. Within a week, I had 5 million users of that program. Two weeks later, the Jerusalem virus stormed the world, a virus with a radically different approach to survival. Uh, The um, Pakistani brain was a boot sector virus. When you turn your computer on, they don't have boot sectors anymore. You've got your ROMs. Who gives a shit? Same thing, same principle. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It goes and says, where's my bootstrap? which is the code that loads the operating system. So it went in and replaced the boot sector, the first kilobyte of code to load in the operating system. And instead of loading in the operating system, it loaded in itself. (laughs) It was then the operating system. Brilliant, brilliant, fucking brilliant. Um, But anyway, so the Jerusalem virus, no, one step above that, it goes, okay, someone said, oh, this McAfee dude figured out how to stop boot sectors. He can't stop this. Mm-hmm. They would take the actual applications, modify the applications, insert their own code, just like a fucking living virus does. <laughs> and then they own the world. Every time you run that app, you're infected and it moves on. Once you so, saw your application take off with and, and get a bunch of users like that, did you have the intention of starting a business with it? Did it click at that no, point? No, of course it all, not. It was all accident, right? Listen, all success is an accident. Nobody makes a plan. People, if you think, oh, I've got a great idea. I'm going to build this and do this and get 
uh, funding, you will not succeed. You will fail 100% of the time. No, success is just something that happens while you're having fun. Mm -hmm. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Ignore success, have the fun. It came by. That was the most fun I had had in 25 years. Technologically, it was like, wow. No. And so three months later, I had $15 million in the bank. And a year later, <laughs> hundreds of millions. Without trying, people, I wasn't trying to make that money. It simply came because I grabbed an opportunity. My brother-in-law, normally I ignored the motherfucker, right? If he'd been with us for two years. But he was, I heard the word computer virus. And since I heard that, what the fuck is that? Give me the paper. And so then, and then that, like, yeah, well, I mean, genius, a stroke of genius, maybe and, and, and an accident, like you talked about, you're having fun. You were just trying to solve a problem at the yeah. end of the day. Right. Yes. What, what happened then once you started making all that kind of money, then you eventually went to an IPO process. Right. And I've heard you say in other, other places, other podcasts, you, you hate that. Tell us about what is it like taking a company? Well, see, I like didn't that? need money. Mm -hmm. I did not need money. Listen, <clears throat> in the entire history of venture capital. Only one person has ever taken that venture capital money and put it in his pocket instead of the company. That was me. I didn't need money. The 10 million they gave me was nothing. That's my dinner money. By that time, no. I needed their expertise because mm. I knew I had a tiger by the tail and I did not have the organizational skills, the financial skills at that level the marketing skills, the sales skills, the organizational, the human resource skills to build the company that clearly was going to be, well, when it was sold to Intel, $8 billion. I wasn't prepared for that shit. Mm -hmm. And I knew I could not do it. And I was either going to become a mediocre company and still have a billion dollars to my name or I was going to have to get in bed with somebody and become the world leader in antivirus software and computer security. And that's what I did. Mm -hmm. I got in bed with, and I'm not just one, uh, two. And two deadly competitors, which is why I chose them both. <laughs> They're not going to collectively screw me, <laughs> maybe individually, but they ain't going to cooperate. They hate each other. Summit Partners and TA Associates each gave me $5 million. And I said, the five million is not going to this company. That's mine. I'll be clear. Because I didn't, listen, we we're already making more money than God. I didn't need money. I needed partners. And in turn, they got 49% of the company. Well, they did their job and took me public. And we did become the world's leader in antivirus and computer security. Well, fuck me. I think I, I did the right thing. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, that, that, but no, I do not do that. Not up front. Now, I would never, ever do that up front because if you need money, you're doing the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. What the fuck do you need money for? I never ask anybody for a dime. Cost me nothing to write that program, put it up on the bulletin board half a day. Check started pouring in three months later while I, you know, I just took him to the bank. No. <laughs> what do you think your fondest memory is of that escalation to the point where you did the IPO and then IPO and eventually got sold to Intel for 8 billion? If there was one 
point? What was the most fun, fondest part of it? Was it just the whole journey? When I, when I left it in 1992, when I realized that what the company had become was no longer me, mm-hmm. it was no longer anything that was enjoyable, and certainly not something I loved. I mean, I was spending my time dealing with stockholders, boards of directors, personnel issues. Fuck me. <laughs> when I was starting, I was on the front line writing the goddamn code, saving the world. Well, fuck me, that was fun. <laughs> boards of directors meetings, they shoot me in the head. Mm-hmm. So I, I walked out just without any any ado. I just walked into, first of all, I mean, I, I didn't just abandon the company. I hired a replacement, Bill Larson, senior vice president at the time at IBM. Hired him as CEO for an astonishing fucking salary and benefits, millions of dollars per year in salary, plus benefits that would set him for life. Why? Because he was young, ambitious, self-centered. That's what you need for a CEO. He went 33 consecutive quarters in Silicon Valley of double-digit growth for McAfee. No company in human history has ever done that. And then he fucked up because it was clear he was not going to make that quota one quarter. So he stuffed the channel. I don't know what that means. It means you've got a worldwide distribution that's selling you know, $50 million or $100 million a month in product. And you know exactly kind of what the trends are because you've got the, the mathematics, statistics, and, and software to figure it out. But instead of like, okay, so we're going to ship uh, Siberia. Um, instead of uh, 200,000, we're going to ship them 300,000 uh, this month, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> as soon as you ship it, you get to put it on the bottom line. But he got caught, and then he had to resign. <laughs> Greed does strange things for people. So anyway, when I hired him, when I saw that this motherfucker is going to do some serious shit, I then went in and said, I quit. He thought it was a joke. I said, no, it's not a joke. He said, you take my office. I'm walking out. I'm not ever coming back. And I did. I walked out and I'm going back. What do you think your hardest, what was the hardest moment of, of that whole run up or, you know, or was it, was it, was it the boring stuff or? There was no boring stuff, dude. I didn't have any hard moments. I mean, we had, we had uh, tough decisions and we Mm -hmm. had uh, tricky problems, but those tricky problems were the fun. I remember we got the whale virus, the first encrypted virus, because we were operating on the principle where the virus has got a genetic code. We just look for it, we kill it. But then some son of a bitch in the hacker world said, well, we're gonna encrypt ourselves. You're not gonna be able to see our genetic code because every copy of our virus is going to look different. Well, fuck me. When I got a copy of that virus and I saw what it did, I felt my entire tech staff, which is what, four people? <laughs> Igor Karminsky, Ari Goretsky, Denichel, and me. Fuck. And I said, hey guys, we have a serious fucking problem. And I showed them the virus. I showed them the printouts. I showed them the shit numbers going, whoa. So I said, well, <laughs> let me try first. 
Meanwhile, you guys have got any ideas, work it out, see if you can get some algorithm for me that can find anything. They had even encrypted the encryptor, which is part of the virus. So it's, uh, so now, I kept looking. I remember I got the virus at 2 in the afternoon. I met with the guys at 7 o'clock at night. And I was up all night. And at 5.30 in the morning, I'm looking at this tiny little piece of code going, God damn, I keep seeing that. Because what we would do is we would take the virus, we would infect a thousand programs mm-hmm. and then take them all apart and see if we could find anything in any of the programs, which is common. And then I, I kept seeing this string of about, I don't know, a hundred or more bytes. So I kept going back and looking, sure as fuck, in every single copy of the virus. What's the same in different locations? <laughs> same thing. And this is after we decrypted it, by the way, because we could decrypt it, because it had to decrypt itself. All we had to do is run it, it decrypted itself. However, the decrypted copy encrypted itself in memory. It's just a weird fucker. But they made not a mistake, they missed this logical thing in transition. You have to have a link. And we found the link. I found the link. And that was my triumph. That was, my, that was the day I realized that we're going to win, people. Yeah. Black hats are not going to win this fucking fight. Yeah. And that, was, that was a fine moment for me. Okay. The whale, yeah. the whale virus, that was its name, believe it or not. You can yeah. look up the history. Okay. Well, now, now you've shifted gears from looking at viruses you know, much differently from, and now you're looking at it from the point of insertion and how, where, are, where are they attacking things, right? Um, talk a little bit about that, of, of how you've shifted your thinking. Well, it's not me, it's the world. Um, first of all, let me say right up front, if you're expecting some, some uh, great piece of information on how to protect yourself, it ain't happening because you can't. Mm-hmm. There's no more privacy. There's no more security. And I want to tell you why. So in the beginning, the attack vector was simple infected software we call it malware today right infected software you download something a friend gives you a disk which is infected whatever um nobody does that shit anymore why because to build a computer virus is up to a two man year effort well fuck me who's got the time anymore um nobody uses technical means the world has shifted to a thing called social engineering. Let's say, I want to, listen, if you as a hacker wanted to break into the CEO's private account, God damn, it's going to take you 50 people in two years. But if you're smart, you'll get someone hired on at the company for whatever, washing the floor. Make sure they're overqualified and don't want much washing the floor. Who gives a shit? We need to know who the CEO's secretary is. We need to know da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Now, mm. we want photos of the secretary. We want everything we can get about her, her name, address, so on and so on. Now, why? Because we all know that a CEO's secretary knows way more than the CEO and does, in fact, have his private keys and is more than likely fucking him. So now, we get a picture. We find out all we can about it. 
We got some social engineers involved. They go, you know what? Based on her history of, uh, of you know, uh, finding Italian boyfriends and getting beat up and, and repeating it over and over, um, we need to find the perfect Italian boyfriend who is the gentlest motherfucker on this planet. And we need to park his car right next to hers in the parking lot. And he needs to be fumbling with his keys as she approaches or whatever. Two weeks later, we own the CEO, whether he's fucking or not. Um, so that's social engineering people. What did it cost? Well, I don't know, $10,000 max. How long did it take? Three months max instead of 50 people for two goddamn years? No, no. So what, how do you defend yourself against that? You can't. See, we've been using technology to save ourselves from ourselves. Do you understand? We are foolish people. <laughs> we, we trust those who can't be trusted, which is everybody. And mm -hmm. if you doubt that, please read history of Rome uh, and the emperors who were whacked by their wives, their children, their fathers, their brothers. No, please, this is the world. Yeah. So, so you know, we <laughs> we have to take speaking of responsibility CEO, for ourselves here. Yes. Sure. Speaking of CEOs like that, what are your thoughts on two major business figures right now uh, and their companies? Uh, so those being Jeff Bezos and Amazon. Elon Musk and Tesla, Tesla slash SpaceX, and, and what they're doing right now. Um, do you have any opinion on, on those on you know, their success? How what they're I, doing? How, how would I know what they're doing? I mean, all the information I get is from the mainstream media, from social mm -hmm. media. I'm not on their board. I don't even work there. Nobody has a fucking clue about either man. Here's the problem: we watch the news and think we know. Children, wake the fuck up. You know, Jack, shit. I know nothing. I met Elon Musk once. I've never met, well, maybe with Jeff Bezos once. Mm -hmm. uh, Bill Gates a few times. I'm, I'm not in that stratosphere. And I, I don't rub shoulders with these people. So I wouldn't have no fucking clue what either of them are really doing, and neither do you, neither does anybody who is not either sleeping with them or in partnership with them. Wake up, people. You don't have truth from the news. <laughs> so I, don't have, I can't answer you. Yeah, fair enough. I don't enough. know anything about either guy. Fair enough. So you talked about, you know, as we've adopted all of this technology, you know, I've got a, I've got a spy machine right here, right? The, the, whole, the iPhone and everything. Um, what about driverless cars? Do you, you have any take on those of, of as we start to uptake this technology, you know, the positives and the negatives of when we do that? Well, I think driverless cars have to be the future. I mean, what causes accidents today? Stupidity, distraction, um, alcohol, drugs, anger, fear. Good God almighty, to let people drive is the insanity. And we do have the technology now that can save us. Sure, every now and then you get thrown into a guardrail or burned alive. Well, I'm sorry, this is the price of progress, okay? Um, no, it has to happen. We need to get out of the things which we fuck ourselves over with. 
and into the things that we refuse to think about because the results of that mentation scares us. What if, what if we threw everybody out of the government? What if we accepted the fact that all people are two people and one of them loves and is caring and has compassion, hopes, dreams, is generous and kind, and the other is jealous, greedy, afraid, wicked, angry. We are two people, people. <laughs> and if you expect anything that tries to get those two halves to compromise, to create anything whatsoever, then you need to move out of your mother's basement and see the real world. Yeah. Let me hit you with some rapid fire questions here. If there was one drug you could recommend for anybody to try, what would it be? Recommend for what? I mean, for self-evaluation, for sex, uh, for contemplation. Self-evaluation. Self-evaluation. Let me run them all by you. How's okay. Self-evaluation, LSD. You want some introspective moments? Pop in a fallacy and just be by yourself and hope for the best. Oh, fuck yes. Sex, MDPV, the most extreme sex drug ever fucking created. You want to be kissed by God? Heroin, hands down, the only drug that will let you physically experience God coming down from heaven and planting lips on your lips. You want, you want to sit and evaluate your relationship with the world? Psilocybin, the magic mushrooms. Please, tell me what you want. There are thousands. I could go on forever, my friend. <laughs> you, that was perfect. Uh, do you have a favorite okay. artist? Whoa. Yes, I have multiple favorite artists. Uh, for artists that, that bend your mind... M.C. Escher, for artists that take the human spirit and magnify it by <laughs> a thousand Gauguin, mm. uh, for artists that want to show the horror of the human spirit, Hieronymus Bosch, hands fucking down for artists that want to show the sensitivity of the human soul. How about favorite author? Magic, favorite author, favorite. again. I mean, for, for understanding the nature of life as Charles Darwin, mm -hmm. uh, for understanding the possibilities of, of human ambition would be Anne Rand. Mm. Uh, for understanding the absurdity of life, Stanislaw Lem. Um, and for the most beautiful verbal description of the fucking reality of this world, William Shakespeare. Good God, tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow creeps in this petty pace from day to day to the last syllable of recorded time, while all our yesterdays <laughs> have lighted fools the way to dusty death. <laughs> out, out with Campbell. Life is but a walking, fucking shadow. 
a poor player who struts and frets his hour upon the stage and is seen no more. It is a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. Now you tell me what words strung together in any shorter number can describe despair to its utter fucking bare bones. Mm -hmm. Favorite book? Charles Darwin's Words and the Species. That's the only thing I can ever say, which is absolutely, if I could only read one book mm -hmm. ever, it would be Charles Darwin's Words and the Species. Kanye, yay or nay? My wife is black. I got to say yay. Yeah, got to say yay. You got to say yay. Yeah. Last questions to wrap this up, uh, two of them. Uh, knowing what you know now, what advice would you give yourself before you starting your very first business? If you could go back Nothing. in time. Nothing. I would never change anything I've ever done. But if I want to give advice to young people getting into business, don't do a plan. Don't have an idea and think you'll get rich. Ideas have zero value. We all have them hundreds of thousands of times a day and they're all great. No, ideas have zero value. Opportunities have all the value. And opportunities don't give a shit about what your plans are. Like the virus thing. And it's the same for everybody. Bill Gates, it was all pure luck that IBM came to him. Of course, his only competitor said, I don't know, i got to think about it. IBM said, okay, we got no time to think. Went up to Bill Gates, he said, yes. Uh, therefore, Microsoft was created. Mm -hmm. No, it's all opportunity. But why do few people take it? Because it requires balls. Mm -hmm. It requires risk. And if you latch on to one of those things, this, your life is going to change and you will have no control over it. That change. You may lose your wife, your family, your car, your house. You may get rich, but you will have an adventure. And I thank you very much for having me on. Thank you for being on today. Appreciate it. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, don't forget to leave us a five-star review on the iTunes app. Tip your barista, and we'll see you next week for more Monday morning coffee with Inside the Firm.